of Legal Services for Thompson Associates. Bill, thanks for taking time for us today. It's my pleasure. Well, we've asked Bill to spend a little time with us discussing charitable lead trust. And Bill, if you'd begin by describing what is a charitable lead trust. A charitable lead trust is a it's a powerful planning technique, and a very underutilized one, in my opinion, in which uh, a donor grantor can transfer assets to a trust that must be an irrevocable trust, and they can do this during their lifetimes or upon death, depending upon their goals. And it's, uh, it's a great way to leverage the amount of assets that somebody can leave tax-free to heirs over time, or even to spread the uh, tax bite of an unusually large income tax uh, burden over several years. So uh, do you have to be really rich to do this? Well, really, really rich is relative, but uh, right. uh, yeah, you don't you don't want to do this for ten thousand dollars, or probably even a hundred thousand dollars. So you're you're probably looking at mid to high six figure sort of gifts with this with this kind of technique, preferably seven figure and higher. But uh, but that's the idea is to uh, leverage your tax tax savings. So you you typically will want to, although lifetime ones can be on the smaller end if it's just simply trying to leverage the or spread the amount of tax that you're going to pay over several years. If if uh, Bill, if a nonprofit came to to you and said that they wanted you to make a long-term pledge, let's say for three to five years for a capital campaign, could you use the income out of a lead trust to satisfy that pledge? Well, the first thing I'd, I would tell a nonprofit is they need to look at whatever the rules are for the capital campaign they have going, but my, my understanding is that typically, yes, these are a great technique to use that to, to help fulfill capital pledges, for, or pledges for capital campaigns, rather, and, uh, and, and they typically will count at various levels for those camp, capital campaigns. Right. Well, I think that's a really underutilized tool uh, today. Now, talk about the different types of lead trust, and how does it actually work? Well, so elements, some of the elements of it, regardless of different types, is that they have to be irrevocable trusts. So this is something you're, you're making the gift of an asset to a trust. The terms are set, and it has to be irrevocable under state law. And then, uh, then they start varying. So the, the general idea of a charitable trust is that the income stream from this trust is going to go to one or more charitable beneficiaries, uh, recognized okay. under 501c3 of the Internal Revenue Code, which could even include somebody's private foundation. Uh, then the remainder at the end of the term of the trust, whether it's measured by somebody's lifetime or term of years or, or how it's measured, will will uh, pass to one or more non-charitable beneficiaries. So it could be passed back to the person who made the trust. It could pass to their heirs or other beneficiaries. Um, ways they get categorized, there are, there are lifetime or inter vivos uh, charitable lead trusts. There are death of time or testamentary char charitable lead trusts. And then uh, on the lifetime ones in particular, you have ones that are known as grantor trusts and non-grantor trusts, which gets a little techy, but uh, but uh, we can go into each of those if you wish. Yeah, just describe what is a grantor and a non-grantor, just in a sentence. Sure, sure. Grantor trusts. You're you're typically looking at a at an, a lifetime or an inter vivos trust, and a, a grantor trust is one that under the tax code, the person who created the trust is treated to be the owner of the assets and thus the income from those assets for income tax purposes. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when you create a charitable lead trust, just like when you create a charitable remainder trust, it's, it's a split interest trust. 
and part of the interest is an income stream and part is a remainder interest. In the instance of a charitable lead trust, the income stream, uh, there's, there's a charitable component for which uh, somebody might be able to get a, a tax deduction for the present value of whatever that income stream is at the time it's created. So in the, in the inter vivos grantor type charitable lead trust, the grantor will get a current income tax deduction for the present value of the income stream that will pass to charity under the terms of that trust. The, that's the upside. The downside is that the, the grantor will also have to claim as his or her own income all of, the, all of the income that that trust makes during the term of the trust. And the reason somebody would do something, uh, that sounds kind of crazy, right, that you would claim income that you don't get because it goes to a charity. The, the typical scenario where you see that would use, that one used would be maybe have unusually high income in 2014 or whatever the year is. And, and uh, I know that's not going to be the case in maybe the five years going forward. So I could create a charitable lead trust in year one so I could generate a large income tax deduction to help shelter some of the tax and not be pushed into as high an income tax bracket and then claim that income as the next five years or whatever, except for the term that trust progresses to help spread that out into a lower income tax bracket over time. You know, it's kind of, a, you know, where I've seen it used is where an entertainer is going to get a, a large, maybe it's an, a musician or someone who's a musical artist, and they're going to have a big year, and they know that that's going to just happen for a short period of time, so they set the money outside the lead trust or an actor or a stage person, but that can be true of a business person as well. Sure, a business person, especially if they are getting a large distribution from their company exactly. or, or having a big sale of a company. Exactly, exactly. And are there any advantages in reducing or avoiding generation skipping tax by using a lead trust? Is it treated differently? Or is it well, there are always GST concerns. Uh, it's, it is not, you don't get escape GST with this. You have to be careful with it. In fact, some people will set these up, these sorts of trusts up so that they, they won't be getting the assets back. Right. They're going to give them to another generation, but they may skip the next generation. They may be in a position where they say, my kids have enough or will be getting enough. I want to hold these assets and pass them on to my grandchildren. So it has generation skipping transfer tax implications in that regard. Now, you can leverage that because, remember, there's the charitable deduction component for the present value of the remainder interest. So say someone put a million dollars of assets into a charitable lead trust and depends on the time and, you know, the payout, the percentage of the payout and the time that it's going to be in the trust. But let's just say we ran the numbers and it ended up being a 40% charitable component and 60% uh, non-charitable. That means they could give a million dollar generation skipping or, or even non-skipping gift and have to claim it only, is only worth $600,000 for, for tax purposes. Right. And now, if a asset is an elite trust, can the beneficiaries uh, enjoy the growth? Uh, or are, they, where the, are, they, are they liable for capital gains tax? When it comes out, I mean, uh, are there any advantages for a growth of an asset in a lead trust? Well, the advantage comes specifically in uh, estate taxes, if you have a, tax, a, a taxable estate. Uh, so perhaps you have somebody who has used all of his or her exemption amount or will be doing so upon death, and yet there are other assets that will then be subject to estate tax. By putting it in this sort of, in this sort of technique or this sort of uh, trust, 
you not only get to leverage it and, and you know get a charitable deduction against the value of whatever goes into the trust, but the growth in there will be completely free of estate tax. Um, so you know capital gains tax that that's going to be the same as if you'd left it to them. If there's a capital growth on it and they after the date of death and they or after the date of funding the trust and they heirs eventually turn around and sell that, they're going to pay the capital gains tax just the same as they would have if you'd given it to them directly. So I, the upshot on this is that it needs to be done with a tremendous amount of thought. It's a great tool. Would you agree with that? Tremendous Absolutely. tool, underutilized. But it needs to be done with uh, really capable hands helping the planning process. Yes. Uh, you know, the concept... The concept of this trust is not quite as simple as a charitable remainder trust, although I think it's not it's not as complicated as we often want to make the concept. But the, the drafting is, is technical, and uh, there are specific requirements for what needs to be or not be in these, these documents for it to work. And uh, a simple scrivener's error, as we say, can, can mess the whole thing up and end up making it not qualify as a charitable lead trust. That's exactly right. You know, it may not be a bad idea to have one drafted and have a second opinion or some other party look at it before you actually execute it. Absolutely. Bill, you've been really helpful. Uh, if someone wants to reach out to you and uh, ask a question, what's the best way to do that? Well, my email address is, is bill at ceplan.com, and then my, my phone number is uh, area code 515 974-6555. Bill's, a, as you can tell, just a great attorney and is able to take very complex concepts and break them down into simple language. Bill, we really appreciate you taking time today. It was my pleasure. Thanks.